to Miss Linda Clifford. So we're back with the furry outfit. Go ahead. <laughs> back. Way. Big flurry of excitement. Tables moved around. In walks Curtis Mayfield, his manager, dun, about dun, six or seven dun, other people dun, that I, I didn't know. And they sit right in front of the stage. And I proceeded to do everything I knew how to do. I'm like, oh my God, this is it. You know, it's a chance. And so when you know, when you've wanted something practically your whole life and that chance is sitting in front of you, you you work it out. You find a way to do your best. And so um, I did a variety of styles. I did um, Aretha, Roberta Flack, uh, James Brown. <laughs> James Brown? James Brown, yes. Uh, just Damn. everybody could think of. Whoever was happening at that time, I did a, I did Streisand, Barbara Streisand. The way we were and the fight broke out. During- Fighting, no fight. <laughs> so, uh, so it turns out, and then after, you know, we, we closed the set, went over and said hello and blah, blah, blah. Everybody was very good. And I guess within a week, I had a contract. A week? Week. A recording contract, right? An a artist recording. is it is it what they call a furnished artist agreement, meaning they're going to furnish your services? What exactly is this contract? This was Cartoon? a true recording contract in every sense of the word from back in the day. And mind you, you know, I know a lot more now than I did then. <laughs> and so, um, you know, when you want something that bad, you're like. Okay, and everybody's like, you have to take that to a lawyer. Take it to a lawyer. Make sure you, you know. And I'm like, I don't need no damn lawyer. I got a contract. You know, I was so. And then, but but I did because I've always been after SAG, you know, Screen Actors Guild and uh, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. So they recommended an attorney for me. So this guy looks at the contract. He, oh my God, he looks at the contract and- What does he say to you? He says, oh, look at what they're offering you. Do you think you're going to make this kind of money anywhere else? So he convinced me to sign this contract for- Oh, that's what he, that's what he, instead of saying what the bad things were, he's trying to make it look like, let's look at the glass half full. Right. So the reenactor like this, girl, everybody, listen to this. What you got better than this? You ain't got nothing. Sign it now. Pretty Sign much. it now. Right? There you go. On, so, right at the line. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So here's me. I signed the contract. I'm like, all right. So we go in the studio, finally. And <clears throat> we're in there, and we're trying to come up with songs uh, to record and you know nobody really at that time was had extra songs just laying around to give to some unknown artists and so we did a, the very first album was called Linda and we did a lot of covers we covered Stevie Wonder we covered the Bee Gees you know we did a lot of uh, uh, covers for that album and one of the songs that we did was From Now On which had been done originally by Lou Rawls and it was a hit for him. And then I did this song and 
it got a lot of airplay. People liked it. They were like, oh my God, what do we do now? Well, we got to do another album. So that's where If My Friends Could See Me Now came. All right. Second album. One of the secretaries said, you know what would really be a good song? A good disco song? Because that's what you need is a good disco song. And at that point, I wasn't really singing disco disco. I was doing more R&B. And um, she said, there's this, there's this movie called uh, Sweet Charity, and there's a song in it called If My Friends Could See Me Now. You should do that. So she went to uh, Curtis and his partner, and they thought it was a great idea. I did not. I didn't want to do it. Because, number one, you know, I always loved Broadway. Before it was a movie, a film, it was on Broadway. And then they decided to make a movie of it, and I was in the movie. I was like just a little extra in the movie before I left New York. So I thought, oh, no, that'd be sacrilege. We can't do the song. Well, they recorded the track anyway. And when I heard it, I just absolutely fell in love with it. And that's how we got If My Friends. So what's the hang on? Let me just break it down for you because we're in a studio like this, okay? So in those days you would have been walking a big place. Do you remember what whose studio was it? Was it Curtis Mayfield's spot? Yeah, it was Curtis's studio. He had his own and um, you know, now, you know, there's a lot of uh you get one guy who gets on a machine and makes all these sounds and, and plays all this stuff. But then you walk into the studio and there's musicians there with actual instruments. You know, so it's a lot different than than what's happening now. And um, I was so used to singing with a band, you know, that it wasn't intimidating to me. I love the idea of having a live band. And so uh, there we were, and then he played this track, and I was like, oh, my God. The tape, so he hit the tape machine, or did they have the band replay it? What was the story? They, they tracked they it already? Had, they had it on the track. At okay. Track. And um, I went in to record with the track, but the musicians had come in. They had violinists from the Chicago Symphony played those parts. Um, all those parts were played by real Musicians. Well, because there was no computerized stuff yet. There was none no. of that existed. No. So, you know, if everything was played with real emotion, real feeling, you know, which you can't get from them. You know, it's it's so different. And uh, doing, uh, if my friend, and what else are we going to do? We, we need some more songs. So we had a few other things. And at one point, we're in the studio, and I'm in the studio with the guys. And they're starting to just, you know, play a couple of little leaks here and there. And I step up to the mic and start talking about my ex-husband. Because I had been married before. And that's why. Oh, see that true house stories, everyone? The truth comes out. Here we go. Close that door. Yeah. So So you go up to the mic, and what happened? What would you say? Talking about my ex-husband, I say, "Hey, baby, where you going?" 
You know, we've been through this before and I'm tired, okay? Sick and tired of the same old thing over and over. Well, unbeknownst to me, the engineer hits a button and starts recording. And there you have Runaway Love. That's where that came from. You wrote that there, right then and there? And then there, Runaway Love came from that studio. Standing in front what? of me, Not even knowing I was being recorded. So did they, was there any music or just you just no, went to the mic and- was, the, was just playing. And then Phil uh, Askey, Gil Askey, who was the producer on that album. Um, he came up with the line, Runaway Love, which, you know, I vamped on. And he was leading the band. You know, every, everything was like, you just go. Like, yeah, like, you go. You go. One of those things. And that's how Runaway Love came to be. So, so keep, all right. So you do the rap, the rap part. We've been through this right. before. Keep going. So now, and then you sing. And then they, right. And then, of course, you know, everybody. Are the lights, okay, wait, wait. Is the lights dim? Is it like, no. we're, we're trying to get the Hollywood feeling. Because we're the lights are bright. bright. <laughs> okay, everybody. So it's not, it's not romantic at all. It's, no. it's bright as hell. We were taking a break, child. It was like standing there with a Coke, <laughs> you know. We've been through this before. And yeah, right. And um, everybody was laughing. We were having a great time and we just played and played. I don't know how long we, we ended up playing, but what they did was they ended up having enough to put a song together. And the engineer comes in, he goes, oh my God, that is so great. That is a hit. That is, and I said, what are you talking about? What hit? What, what do you, you know, here's me thinking it's a big joke. And he says, that song is hit. And I'm like, I'm getting ready to hit you if you don't tell me what's going on. He says, it's great. We, we have to release this. And he goes up and plays it for Curtis and, and his partner. And they loved it. Next thing I know, Runaway Love's on the radio. So wait, sing. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Let's, we know the, wait, wait, we know the part that went to radio. We got that part. But you did the rap yeah, about yeah. your ex. They're starting to now go along while you're talking into the mic. Yes. And how did you start singing Runaway Love? Da, da, da. What made you do all those parts? Did you well, write that I, in I your mind? All the, the background parts came later. Okay, so the lead but part. The lead part, Gil Askey started singing that into my headphones for me to sing. So I sang along with him. He's feeding you from the control room. Yes. You hear this, everyone? This is why we're getting the nitty green now. We're getting the control room. The producer in the control room is going, da -da -da, sing this part. Right. Da -da -da, da -da -da. Figured out what melody was. Talented, man. That's a talented playing, You know, with what the guys were playing. And that was the, the line that worked. So what was the line he fed you? That, you know, that funk. So that worked. And um, so we're here we are. We've got the second album. And there were a lot of good songs on that album. I have to, you know, really songs that I love. 
And then, of course... Gypsy Lady, too, right? Gypsy Lady. Gypsy Lady, Broadway Gypsy Lady. That was another one. Um, oh, gosh. There were so many really good tunes. And then we we started to go on tour. But it was a promotional tour. So there was no money. <laughs> oh, God. There was no money. No honey. No money. <laughs> Wait, so how? who's handling the expense of flying you guys around the country to do the tour dates then? What, how is this rolling? Okay, so the record company says that they're putting up the money, but I have to pay that back. Physically pay it back or comes yeah. off the royalty? No, both. So while we're performing and getting paid, Instead of me getting the money, it's going to the record company to pay them. The expense, the offset expense. Right. So, um, let's go back to our lawyer, everybody. Remember the lawyer that said to her, (laughs) We're not going to talk about it. How are you going to make this money, honey? You ain't going to make this money nowhere. She signed signed with her blood right there. And what happened? Here we are. To second album later, now the success starts. She meets Frankie Crocker, the whole WLS. I know that's coming. The Crocker ain't, ain't your radio ain't on unless Crocker's on. The whole thing, WLS New York, you looking fine. I could already hear what he was telling. Honey, you looking so good. And probably all that runaway love stuff, right? He's telling you all that. And you're going, yeah, but I'm broke as hell in your car, right? <laughs> He's saying, damn, girl, you look Wait, so good, right? I, I look good, okay. And the, the band sounds good. It's tight. We're all tight. 54. We're tearing up the Red Parrot. We're tearing up the garage. Woo! Parrot's garage, everybody. Yeah. So, yeah, the money just was What money? There was no yeah. money. There was no money. There was no money. How big did the record How big did the record get? Did it go gold that album? They to this day they tell me that record did not go gold. It was number one in the United States for 12 consecutive weeks. On what chart, though? Is it Billboard, Blacks? Billboard Disco. Okay. It stayed in the top 10 for 40 weeks. Crossover radio chart? The CHR chart? The top 40 radio? Yeah. Or, or Black RM? Because there's a couple of different charts. Right, right. Well, Runaway was huge, was a bigger on R&B chart. Right, the R&B chart, Rhythm right. and Blues. But If My Friends was out there. It was everywhere. Yeah, that was a white, what? we call that the white disco record. That was like the yeah. one that crossed everybody's, that was the one that crossed. But Runaway Love, for the ones that know, that's the record that we all gravitated to. That was our yeah. track. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it, I think... Uh, altogether, my songs were in the top 10 or, or on the top 100 for over 60 weeks. It had, in combination, it had to do more than gold. In combination, between singles and album, maybe not just the album, but probably in combination, you did way more than 500,000 sales. Of course. Well, we found out later that some of the, some of the albums were 
being sold out of the trunks of cars. Well, that's what they would call cutouts. Yeah. So, you know, nothing was really registered with BMI and ASCAP. And let me also give everyone else, there's another part in the contract she didn't mention, she probably forgot. It's called the container charge, which that means is that they can hold a whole lot in a, in a warehouse and as and it, it calls a negative. So constantly when you think you're just about selling, they always have what they call returns. Right. You never know what's going on. You're like, wait a minute, but the record's number one, but oh, but we got a thousand returns. Thousands and thousands and thousands of returns. You're like, right. and here's the thing, Lenny, that's I found out later, and I as I'm sure you know, this is not the only company that did this. Other companies were doing it. This was how the music industry ran at that time. Man, what do you mean at that time? It kept going. Well, well there's the one set yeah. of books. There's one set of books that right. you see. Mm-hmm. Then there's a set of books that they see. And then there's the real books. So okay. which books are we seeing today? The crooked exactly. books? Exactly. And so, you know, it's, you know, you spend your, your life and you work and dream. You know, and you have a goal that you want to reach and you you do everything that you possibly can to reach that goal. And then there's somebody waiting on the sidelines to to rip that out from under you. And and, you know, it's sad. It still happens to this day. But I think now that many of the well, obviously, a lot of the major record companies are not certainly not what they used to be. No, no, not at all. You know, there's a lot of independent artists out there because of that. They figured yes. out a way to do their own thing and not be beholden to these companies. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is, that's a wonderful situation. I, I'm very proud of the younger people who did that because, you know, we came along, we, we, we opened a lot of doors for a lot of people. No, you could, we, 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 we call you all the trailblazers. Yeah. Because there was no such thing as a dance music department pre to all of you coming out. Exactly. Think about it. Yeah. Okay. There was no such thing as a disco record. There was no such thing as black promotions. Seriously. Yeah. There was no such thing before we all of you. You were part of that. We created a lot of jobs for a lot of people. We did, you know, and um, it was, you know, like everything else in life, you know, somebody's got to start, got to get started and, and move this thing forward. And then the next generation and the next and the next. So um, the way things are going right now, I think the generation that's out there making music and um bringing that kind of joy to us, you know, they're in a much better situation than we ever were. And I'm happy for them. Yes. But I'll tell you something, being that I've worked in both generations, the vinyl generation of analog and the new generation, which I'm still working the digital, as much as I like this digital world, I rather have the old business. And I'll tell you why, because when they believed in you, they believed in you. When they pushed that button, you had a hit. It was done. Today, right. today is different. Today, you're doing this so much multitasking going on, and you lose the formula of what's making records be what they are, if you yeah. know what I'm saying. Yeah. 
I, I agree with you on that. Um, I'll take the old business any day, girl, even with all the crookedness and the mafia and everything. I'll take it all back. I told I'll take it all back because we all made money. We all made money. That was the beauty except of it. Talent. Except the talent. Well, in a sense that we made money, you had they control. I, you know, Earl Young, you know, Earl Young from the Tramps. Quick side story. I just saw Earl not too long ago. We did the disco cruise. Together. Yes, yes. When I interviewed Earl, one of the questions I asked him was, Disco Inferno hit, Saturday Night Fever hit. Now, you remember how big Burn Baby Burn was, right? Right. You imagine now, you have a humongous, gigantic hit like that. And he has to go now take a job at a, at a, at a hotel. Because the band went to Netherlands... And he was left behind with no band now because they took the deal in Holland. So that's crazy. You know, Jimmy Ellis and the Tramps, so of them went overseas. He got married and he had a family to deal with. And it was, I, I told him, it's a wonderful thing. And I went, how the hell are you hearing your record being played? It's the biggest record of all time. Yeah. And you're at a hotel not working. I mean, it's not a hotel. Work at one of those those buildings, you know, as a doorman for that moment in time. So that's a tough, that's a tough pill to swallow when you have yeah. a humongous hit like that and you're not out. Exactly. Burn, baby, burn. You know, you want to go and do your thing. You know, it's like this is what you yeah. waited for, and now you're not. The records on the radio, all over the radio, all over the country. Every movie theater, every wedding, bar mitzvah, whatever. You hear that record being played, and then you're not even working? It's crazy. It's, I was, it I, is. But I think that that is, um, you know, from that era, that's happened to almost all of us. I see that. It's happened to almost all of us because of, you know, because we just didn't know better. And, uh, you know, you get taken advantage of. Well, you also got to realize this. There was nobody mentoring any of you. Nobody was. No, there was. You're writing it. You're writing the business. You go. Well, you know, who knew? You know, it's like, oh, I'll be the manager. I'm the vice president of the record company. And, you know, so who's he going to work for? Not going to work for me. Well, like you said, the KKK came to visit you. So (laughs) imagine now. Imagine how this ran in the seventies. So, in the back offices of all these of all these major record companies, was guys like Stan Hoffman, heavy players, heavy Jewish connected to the Italian mafia, which they were in their own mafia. So, if you tried to get out of line, don't no problem. They say sure. Then they'd be at your house, right, and have another conversation with you. So, what do you do? You knew that this is what you were dealing with. Yes. Either you play ball or you might as well just quickly leave town. Give it up. Give it up. Skip, skip out and give it up, right? Yep. That's exactly right. So, um, you know, I consider myself very fortunate, very blessed to have um, my husband, who, um, and, you know, as I said, we've been married now for 43 years. And he was insistent that I not give up the business in spite of all the craziness. I don't blame him. I understand. I understand. um, You know, had it not been 
for him being in my ear, I would have because I just I was so devastated by, you know, learning all the stuff that was going on, really taking the time to read some of the contracts and some of the statements that came from the company. And, you know, this one went on a trip to Aruba and it's charged to my account. What? You know, that kind of craziness. So um, <clears throat> he, he convinced me to to continue. But, you know, I, I also wanted to be a mom and spend time with my children. And that was really, really important to me. And that's what I did, you know, for several years. I just, it's not that I dropped out, but I became more involved with our home life and getting the, taking care of the, the children, getting them on the bus in the morning. And- so wait a second. Miss Clifford, who told us that there's a door, is now mom and making cookies. That's and right. PTA. That's right. And making sure their homework is done. That's right. That's what I did, and I loved every minute of it. Oh, homemaker! You a Susie homemaker? I'm still Susie homemaker. When I'm I can tell with your Wayne's coat and your chair rails. Check you out behind you, and all those beautiful pictures of yourself. Check you out. Thank you, darling. But you know that's that's all part of it. I I really, as I said, I consider myself to be so fortunate because you know so many women go through this thing where you know can I have it all? You know I want all of it. I want a family, and I I want a success at my job, and what you know this is what I love to do as well. Can I do all of it? And I was fortunate enough to do that, you know, so I, you know. How long did you step out? Because if I remember correctly, red light was 80 or 81, right? right? How long, did, when did you step out officially, you would say? Um, I guess about a year after red light. Because red light was another big record all over the place. It was because of the movie. The fame movie catapulted you back in the eighties. Now you're ready. You're you're now hot in the eighties now. And it was Oscar nominated, so that was you know that was a huge thing for me. And then uh, so I got to fly around and do some dates and sing all the you know the songs that people knew: Red Light, Runaway Love, If My Friends. Boom, you know, it was great doing the uh, personal appearances. So it, it the thing that made it easier to handle uh, was the fact that I wasn't traveling with background singers and a band and a blah, blah, blah. It was me, my tapes. <laughs> track dates. You call those, you track call those dates. especially track dates. They That's were, what they mean by track dates, everybody. She just have tapes and go, here you go, DJ, or here you go, Mr. Engineer, put the tape right. on. And, and, you know, the tracks would take, they would take the lead vocal off. So you still had your background vocals and all the music. All you had to do was sing the song. And that was fabulous. So I did that for years. Um, and then also when I was home, when I wasn't working as much at uh, performing in clubs, I started doing voiceover work and jingles. Oh, really? Yeah, I did that for uh, five, six years. I any ones? Was there any famous, famous ones we know that was like the Wrigley Girl or or? I did. I did all the McDonald's spots. You did? Yeah, I did all the McDonald's spots. So you were listening to my voice. 
my speaking voice and uh, my singing voice. I also did the theme song for Phil Donahue's TV show. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else did I do? Oh, oh gosh. I did Oldsmobile. I did uh, Maybelline makeup. I did all of those things. You want to look fabulous? Put on Maybelline. That's right, child. Put on that Maybelline and go. <laughs> So, yeah, there were Tropicana orange juice. Oh, those that want to know what Oldsmobile is around the world, if you couldn't own a Cadillac and couldn't have that kind of coin, you got yourself a secondary car, the Oldsmobile. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because sure. <laughs> it was the same body frame as a Cadillac, except it didn't say Cadu, it said Oldsmobile. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, it did. That's it. So um, I did that for years. And, you know, uh, my husband's a drummer. So between the commercials and his playing, he played clubs and still plays, you know, for years. So that's how we continued to build our home and get our kids through school. We did all the things that we felt were really important. And very, and very important. And you were in, the, the, in your children's life. You weren't on the road. Right, exactly. That would they wouldn't grow up to be with the kind of professions they're in right now if they didn't have a stable home life. You could tell when you yeah. mentioned what your son does and your daughter. That's because that's nurturing. Someone had to be there to make sure they were watching them. So I'm assuming that was your job while he was that pop. While pops was out, yeah, drawing Mama was keeping the house right. I was tight. keeping it straight. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I always say kids grow up differently when their mom's around, you know, and yes. some, or should I say father, one, at least one of the parents around. It makes that much of that difference as we've seen now with your children. They need guidance. They're new human beings. They don't know anything. And you come from that era, my dear, that you came from that era where dad went to work, mom stood home. That's right. Homemaker. So you're part of that. Same as I grew up with that. My mother was home. My father went to work every day. Yeah. And that's how that rolled. You know, my mother would be watching uh, and making sure everything was, you know, copacetic with all of us. But that, I, I, it's that era. You know, it's, it's not like that now. Not like no. that today. No. And, you know, who could afford to live today if if mom didn't go to work? Just <laughs> to work. You know, it's just, it's too bad, but that's, that's the time we live in. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, mom has to go to work. So she's not there to say, no, ladies don't sit that way. Watch your posture, sit up, uh, you know, do this, do that. Be home before the sun goes down. You oh yeah. Home. You better, you better be home or you'll get, you're going to get <laughs> Oh, I used to hear that all the time. You better get your ass home before <laughs> that sun's down. You hear me? Just like you that. Do not let me catch you out on that. Do not let me whistle. 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 Do not let me start whistling for you. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> right. I still my friends. Yo, the three lights cool. start getting dim. When I saw the lights getting there, I got to go home. I got to go. <laughs> beat my ass if I don't get home. And you know what else? Your parents knew all your friends and their parents. Well, that's an old that's an old wives' tale. Here we go, everybody. You remember this too? How the hell they know what I did? Yo, you got home, you already were in trouble. Now there was no internet. There was 
How did everybody know? Because everybody knew your parents and everybody raised their kids and they raised their own kids and yours too. They did. I mean, that's just the way it was. And um, and you called we, everybody by their last name. You didn't call them by their first name. Oh my that's God! Not, no, that's you imagine if people like so and so. You don't. Uh uh-uh. uh. Right. None right. First name stuff. My mm-hmm. father's. Like, Who's what? What would you, what would you call? What? <laughs> that's right. Just like, that. Just like that. What? What? What you say? <laughs> oh, oh, Mr. Jackson. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Right. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you did, so we got jingling. We had Kurt jingling. Tom, so you walk away from Kurt Tom or you just leave it alone? Did you ask for a release or you just said, you just let it go? You just let the I contract. I point ask for a release and uh, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't. And then, no. And that because obviously there was some success. That I was not being, you know, I was not. Privy, you know, basically weren't privying you to that information. Right, right. Um, okay. And then, um, you know, I think, you know, Kurtom, what they did was they were always a subsidiary of a major label. So it was Warner Brothers. It was Capital. It was RSO. And right. After they played out all these major companies with whatever they wanted to do then um you know things came back in on them and they started releasing people they had other people on the label you know at one point shaka shaka khan was on Kirtan. and um and this is you know to my knowledge uh, she walked away from the label because <laughs> she just said i'm out you know, contract or no contract. Sure. Then she signed, I believe it was with Buddha Records. Yes. And became, you know, a hit. I think think that's the once you get started, right? Right. Once you get started. Or is that after that? No, it was before that. Before before once you get started. Maybe. No, once you get started, it was ABC Records, if I remember. Oh, was it? Okay. ABC, 74. It was 1974. Wow. So this has got to be right around that. Because she had that deal with Rufus Shaka Khan. Right. Then right. she broke away and became Shaka Khan. Yeah. <laughs> <The> Khan. <Right. laughs> and then Kurtom tried to sue her. They, they tried. After she got famous. Yeah, of course. That's when you go after somebody. When they got some cash. And, you know... They got laughed out of court. The judge was like, really? Bye-bye. So, um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's what you're dealing with. See, this is what I don't understand. This is like, we have such, uh, we have utmost respect for Superfly. You know, Diamond in the Back, Gangster Lee. Ooh, yeah, but you know what? He wasn't handling the business. No, I know, I know. I'm just saying. Everybody else. No, I'm just saying that we have so much respect for those. Right. Diamond in the back, sun sitting in the scene with a gangsterly. Ooh, ooh. I mean, those are records we grew up with. Come on, of course, yeah. So when you're hearing this like backstory, you're like, oh god, it takes away all the dreams of dra- of, of what you thought it was. You know, I doubt for a second the same thing was being done to him. Oh, I bet it was on a much larger scale. Oh god, are you with the, uh, all the people that were were tapping into that? 
to that money jar. Right, right. And he was writing as well. So you, you're writing. I mean, that's where the money is. Hell yeah. You own the publishing. You own all of this. Well, so let me clarify that again, everybody. Uh-oh. You, you own it, but you don't own it because yeah. you sublet it out to a lot of people so they can work it. So you wind up getting some money out of it, but you don't get everything you're deserving of. Exactly. You know, we want to hold on to our publishing. We try to, but it's still tough. You know the deal. I'm, I don't got to tell you. So in that, oh my God, there's so much I got to ask. Oh Another God. question is, no, I'm mean, just, because you know what? It's coming out with some amazing things. Who were some of the people around you were writing with on these albums? Like some of the other like writers and stuff that you remember that were like important. Uh, Leroy Leroy Hudson uh, was an artist who was signed to Kurt Tom before I was. Um, okay, who else was I working with at that time? Um, oh my gosh, I can't even remember. Oh, he, he had uh, some connections in Philly. So they were looking for the Philly sound to try to incorporate it right. in Chicago. And that's how I ended up on tour with uh, Teddy Pendergrass. Oh, Lord, yes. Yeah. Teddy in the grass. Oh, Teddy my God. Was, Teddy was the bomb. You know, he would go out on that stage and people would just go crazy. So um, so give us a quick little Teddy tidbit story. I know you know one of those cool ones. Come on now. Share it up. Because he's no, no longer with us. No, really. You know what? I worked um, with Teddy shortly before he passed in uh, uh, Atlantic City. We did a show together and, um, you know, of course he was wonderful and, you know, I hated to see what happened to him. I mean, that was just, oh, it was terrible. It was, but you know, the mind was still there. The voice was still there. Teddy, you know, he was doing his thing right up until the end. So. Well, as we all called it when he came out with that white, you know, remember that he had that white sash on an album with the more I get, the more I want. That that album. He was the next black Elvis Presley. I oh, saw the women throw their their braziers at him and their underwear. They put me on the bill with Teddy. Didn't tell me that it was a women's only concert. Yeah, I come out on the stage walking, ain't nothing but women out there. I'm like, oh my God. And they were like, where's Teddy? We, yeah, she's cute and everything. Where's Teddy? Until, <laughs> until I broke into Runaway Love. Then they got on my side. Then they were on my side. But oh my God. Who let the chick out? Who yeah. let the chick out? Put her back. Sure. Bring out Teddy. Exactly. Half the tour was women only. I'm like, you have got to be. You didn't think you needed to tell me that. They forgot again. One of those <laughs> one of those moments in time where they you're not privy to that info. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or should I say, they didn't send you the memo. <laughs> right. I didn't get that memo. But you know, who let that woman out? They don't even realize it's you. These yeah. people are so stupid because back then. You didn't have the social media content of pictures and stuff for people to recognize who was who. Unless you did Carol Burnett, 
or you did the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, right. and then all of a sudden you did that show, boom, everybody knows who you were. Right. Even though you're doing radio stations and you're doing garage or whatever studio, that's that. Just those people would see you for the your diehard fans that saw your album cover. Exactly. Right? Yes. And and but you know. People like me and a lot of our friends, we used to look at those covers and listen to the music and then read the credits. Like that was a big thing for us. Oh, sure. Who worked on the record? You know, you look at the pictures. Who? Okay. Who was playing, who was playing the trumpet on this? Right. Movie? It was it Norman Harris from yeah. Philly that did the arrangements. Was it you know Earl Young played on the the, the drums? Or was it this person Curtis May? Okay. So who dressed? Who's who did all your um? Your your work was far as because we're looking at your your covers in the back, the red dress, the other one, Bridge Over Trouble Water, that album. Who dressed you? Who was your designer? Was it Halston? Was it what were you? Who was behind you? Well, I'll tell you. Um, Bob Mackey? I was gonna say Cher's guy. Who was it? No. Bob Mackey, Halston? Come on now, share no, it with. It wasn't Bob Mackey, although he was approached. Okay. Um, uh, Norma Kamali. Wow. Yeah, Good. the cover for uh, Let Me Be Your Woman uh, was Norma Kamali. Uh, the inside photo, the one in the red dress. Yes. I just found that somewhere and wore it. She went to Gimbal's, everybody, and grabbed it. I wasn't Gimbal's, though. No, I wasn't Gimbal's. It's a but, joke. <laughs> so, um, and then at one point, I know they said to me they wanted to have a piece of jewelry made. Okay. That would, you know, people would recognize. And so they would know that it's me. And I'm like, it's a jewelry. They go to Harry Winston? How about some food in my refrigerator? (laughs) Keep the diamonds. Put the food. Put the food in the bottles. No. (laughs) But, um, uh, and then, of course, they didn't want me to get married. And which I, I didn't understand. What the hell was that all about? Uh, you know, a lot of companies and they're like, no, when you get married, you're going to lose your male audience. I'm like, what? Yeah. No, don't get, you can't get married. So, I mean, there were so many issues. There were so many issues. So what happens if you got married in contract? Nothing happened. <laughs> that's exactly right that's what i'm saying so you got i got married and and exactly oh wait i gotta pay you back for the marriage too <laughs> so yeah it was crazy but <clears throat> i did you know i i did that time at home with the children and all the fun things and occasionally i would go out and perform because of Red Light and Runaway and If My Friends, those songs being so huge. So I got to do quite a bit of TV as well. You know, um, a lot of the TV shows that were happening at that time, a lot of disco stuff was going on. You know, Midnight Special. I hosted Midnight yeah. Special uh, two or three times. I filled in for Wolfman Jack, who was an absolute doll. And uh, everybody's asking me to turn up your volume. I can't turn up your volume. I, you, you can't. Know, I can't. There's nothing I can do. It's on your. You know why? Because what happens is when you step back from the microphone from the laptop, you oh. start to lose. You. It's like this. It's like you're going. Like that. 
Oh no! See, they're saying they want to hear every morsel. They want you to everything you have. Yeah, they're, they're crying out to you. They're like the children, the house, all the disco children saying, "Let her talk louder, please." Let me turn up a volume. If I talk any louder, I'm not going to have any throat. Oh, um, okay. So anyway, um, now I forgot where I was. Okay, yeah. so you did midnight. You did Wolfman Jack show. Go ahead. Yeah, um, rock concert. A lot of the shows, you know, that were happening at the time, and of course, uh, Soul Train. Don Cornelius. We yeah, got a young lady. We got a young lady from the from the Chicago area. I could just hear her introducing you too. Like, yeah. you know, she's yeah. real fine and she's here to do a song, a new song from the Curtis Mayfield label. Let's put your hands together for Miss Linda Clifford. Here's <laughs> <laughs> a question about Soul Train. Yeah. Did you guys actually mime or were you live? When you no, say we we had to do lip sync, and that happened with a lot of uh, TV shows, it, with the the exceptions being rock concerts and midnight special, because they were those shows were filmed in actual studios where the acoustics were what they were supposed to be, and they had the correct sound, but a lot of the other shows even american bandstand you had oh that's yeah dick clark everybody said the same thing we used to watch those shows and go why are they they're miming you could see right (laughs) were you whispering whispering? did you whisper it so when you mind you would sing it and just so they wouldn't have the mic on okay right yeah so, um, you know, and again, it was because of the situation as far as where they were filming. Sometimes, you know, the sound, uh, the room is just not conducive to doing that kind of thing. See, nobody knew, nobody understood that at home. They would just go, but why are they doing it? They ain't doing it for right. real. Right. For real. Exactly. exactly. It looks fake. Why is it so fake? You know, everybody, you know, everybody told you that, Linda. Why didn't let you sing it? You can sing, girl. You know how to sing. Know. You know how to sing. You know how all our friends are. You know how all. Listen, I remember when we did Top of the Pops, and I'm playing the keyboards in the back. We're miming the track I produced. The guy singing it. He's yeah, like that. I'm like, and I and I can hear the playback, and that's BBC, and they got great acoustics. It's like, oh my god, they know better. When you do a show in Europe. The TV shows in Europe are so different oh, big from time. what we do here. It's amazing. And um, I can remember and still see it occasionally. There's a video of me uh, singing if my friends at a spaceman comes out and starts dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Take a drink of water. Go ahead. Let's go ahead. Take Thank a drink you. of water. Let me let me give you let me break it down for everybody. In Europe, it's because we know how crazy Europe is. They send out a little space, a little space robot to come out. While, if my friends could see me now, what the hell's I got to do with the song? Nothing. As we all, because you know, the American perspective is like this. Because I know if I would have been, we could have been like, why do we have a gosh damn robot coming out for? Yeah, what's it got to do with the song? And they didn't tell me it was going to happen. They just so, send them out. He's doing that. He scared the bejesus out of me when I turned around and I saw him. I was like, oh, okay, you know, just keep going. 
But if I remember also now videos, there's also a video of you I saw not too long ago. I actually discovered because, you know, back in the day, music videos were not prevalent. They were not oh, part no. of the deal. So there's a, was I correct to say it's Runaway Love? There's a video of you Manhattan singing that? Or in the, the city? Fountain. fountain. Is that the one where I'm sitting in the fountain? And yeah. Was that Manhattan you did that? Or, it's or? Manhattan. We had no permits, no nothing. <clears throat> we just showed Turn up. the video. Record. Showed up and they said, sit in the fountain, sing song. They put the track on and I did a lip sync. People are walking by, going to work. They're like, what the hell is she doing in the fountain? And uh, of course, and nobody knew who I was because the song hadn't really been released yet. So yeah, there was that. And then there was uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water where they had me on the Brooklyn Bridge. Yes, I saw that one too. Yeah. Rush Hour. No permits, everyone. Okay, no. listen, Linda, we're going to set up. You're going to yeah, run up yeah. on that bridge. You're going to sing it fast. We try to get it done in one take. I can already hear the way they were telling That's you. Exactly what we did. So, look, no matter what happens, don't stop singing. Right. And so the cops come. Don't stop. Don't stop. Or we can trust not me. Like they do videos now, where everything. No. No. And it's, it's like a movie. This was called. Doing it fly. That's a this is called video warfare, girl. You're fighting everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now we get you out of the 70s into the 80s, and all of a sudden Linda Clifford comes out with a new tune all of a sudden out of nowhere again. I think you worked with Lego at that time or something like that, or that don't want to give it up, or that you well, did. Rafi Rosario and then Lego does a remix and yeah. all of a sudden everybody goes, holy smoke, Linda right. Clifford's back. That's exactly what I said. Yeah, yeah. It was like, oh my God, where would she been? What are you doing? Yeah, that's the first question I asked. Where has she been? Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, now we know where she's been. Home, Home. making cookies. Taking cookies, child. Taking care of babies. That's what I did. And, um, you know, that song came out and started getting airplay and get played in the clubs and still clubs were going strong at that point so uh not quite strong studio 54 strong but still there were a lot of clubs you could go out and hang and dance and have a good time so <clears throat> and then um i don't know i just i traveled around a little bit the kids were older and uh, occasionally I would take them with me for a performance. So that was always fun. And to them, you know, of course, I was just mom. So they. That's what I was going to ask you. Did they realize yeah. the success? They probably didn't know any of that. Didn't even no, like register, correct? They wouldn't even register with them, right? Had no idea what was going on. And I remember one night I had my, my daughter with me. And I went to, I was in Miami. And I said, okay, now I'm going to put you, I'm going to take you with me. Because I had no one to leave her with at the time. I said, we're going to go. I let her go to sleep. I woke her up. I said, okay, we're going. Mommy's going to work and you're coming with me. Blah, blah, blah. So she was so excited. So we get to the dressing room and, and uh, I'm primping a little bit, getting ready to come out. And I take her to the edge of the stage because I want to see her. I wasn't of course. Even, you know, of course. I said, do not 
go whatever you do line. whatever, whatever you, do, you do do not pass that line you stay right there okay doing the show about halfway through the show i see people pointing Girlfriend is dancing on the side of the stage. She's just come out and she's just getting down, doing her thing. Oh my God, it was so funny. Oh, how cute. So Thank I God it wasn't something else. Thank God it was she left the theater. I would have been like, oh, no, please. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I hope it doesn't go that way. No, good. No, no. Good, she good. Having a great time. So I brought her out and introduced her to the crowd. It was fabulous. It's a great night. But those are memories. Know, then they those. got to realize what mommy did, you know. Are we gonna go home now, mom? Yeah, we're gonna go yeah, home. Yeah, we're going home. And you said, Yeah, we're going home. You got a taste of what I do for yeah. a minute. Yeah. But uh, my daughter, who was the youngest, uh, the younger of the two, she was a seasoned traveler. I mean, she would, you know, get to the airport, put her dolls on the conveyor belt, walk through security. You know, she knew the routine. So that was always good. And now? And now? You've been on disco tours. I still see you going strong. Up into cold. Working with some wonderful, wonderful women who have been in the business just as long as I have. You know, I, <clears throat> um, I don't know if you're familiar, but I know, I know you know Miss Martha Wash. I know Martha Washington is not far from me here in New York. Go ahead. Right. And Norma Jean Wright. One of my close there. friends. Right. And, she, and so the three of us uh, and uh, Evelyn Champagne King. Shane Burning. Hey. Okay. So what's the group called? First Ladies of Disco. Work. Work. You better go. So, you know, we were all there from uh, from the very beginning. And uh, going through these struggles and, and uh, having a good time, too. I don't want people to get the idea that it was all bad. It was not. And, you know, seeing the fans and being around them and listening to their stories and, and getting to know people, that was wonderful. And it still is. You know, I'm so grateful to have uh, so many people that I call not just fans, but friends. You know, they we talk. On a daily basis, I talk to a lot of people on Facebook and Instagram. So, um, but the group that we kind of, uh, that was put together was started by Martha's manager, James Washington. And he said, I would love to put something together where we had uh, like a bunch of you ladies who were there from the beginning. And so uh, his production started out with, a concert in Palm Springs that was off the hook. It was amazing. There must have been 25 women on this show. We had dancers, background singers, all the women who did these great songs, the women that I mentioned, Martha, Evelyn, Norma, myself, Jeannie Tracy, um, just uh, Jessica Williams, everybody you could think of came out and had a chance to perform for this audience and they loved it. So uh, the first ladies of disco took over Palm Springs that night. All right, yes. And so, um, you know, of course we can't travel with 25 divas 
<laughs> and so we we try to switch out, you know, if somebody's working a different uh, venue or if somebody's booked somewhere else, we, we have a huge pool of wonderful of people to, to pull from. And uh, that's what we've done over the last few years. But primarily right now, it's Norma, Martha, and myself. And we just, we go out and we have a ball. That's great. It is wonderful. That is awesome. That's right. And we're ready to go back to work right now. So I'm telling y'all, this Corona stuff is gone. We Are you vaccinated? Are you ready? I'm ready, child. I've been ready. I'm vaccinated. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll take another one if they want me to. Sucker, okay. sucker now. She said, child, I am so ready. I am so ready. It's like white on rice ready, girl. Come on now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So I know how to feel it. Let me tell you something. I just played my first DJ gig a couple weeks ago, uh, two sides ago. And what a, it was incredible. The feeling of the club getting excited. It I felt it. there was no COVID. This is what's crazy. It felt like there was no really COVID. It was like, it never existed. Our place went electric. Yeah. I know yeah. the feeling. I know yeah. as an entertainer. Oh my God. Oh That's my right. God. So we're looking forward to getting back out there, seeing everybody, and uh, hopefully we're looking forward to having you. Good. You're one of the queens of disco. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm ready. Like I said, take a shot of my lemonade here. That's all right. That's all right. Everybody, everybody just wants to thank you. You know, I, 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 I'm all out of. I mean, you covered on one thing. I want you to cover. Uh-oh. Very important. We talked about it off camera, but we just, you know, most importantly, this woman won New York State. Uh, New York State as a beauty queen. You hear me, everybody? Let her just give you what that's like in the time that she won. Check this out. Well, I'll just I'll try to make it somewhat brief without leaving all the important Yeah, just just I've I entered the pageant, first of all, on a dare. Some A friend of mine dared <laughs> me. Yeah. Because, I mean, I never considered myself beauty pageant material. And so a girlfriend said, um, they're having this pageant for Miss Teenage America. I dare you to do it. So I said, well, I dare you. So we both ended up going. And... Um, I ended up winning Miss Brooklyn Teenager. Well, nobody explained to me that when you when you win, you have to continue. So here I am, Miss Brooklyn Teenager. Now I have to go for Miss Brooklyn. Then you have to go for Miss New York. And that's where the drama started. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. First of all, um, this was 1966, I think, 67, somewhere around there. And, you know, that was a very turbulent time in our country. A lot of marches, a lot of, you know, equal rights and uh, everything in the forefront, in the news. You know, marching, um, dogs being sent uh, to hurt people, people, just horrible stuff going on. So sure. me in a pageant in a room with a bunch of white girls 
they're looking at me like, how'd she get in here? And um, I go out and, you know, I do my thing. I do the bathing suit thing and the evening gown thing. And um, they it's time for them to announce the winners. And they announce Miss New York State, uh, some girl from Queens. And then they say Miss New York City, a girl from somewhere else, Long Island. And so I thought, okay, I didn't win. It's over. Right. It's over. So I pack up my little stuff and I'm getting ready to leave. And as I'm walking out with my parents, my mom and dad, one of the judges runs over and he says, wait a second, there's been a mistake. We don't want you to leave yet. There's been a mistake. Could you just, you know, sit here? So I'm sitting and I'm waiting and my folks, my dad's like, I got to go to work in the morning. So, you know, and all of a sudden this barrage of newspaper reporters come in and they're taking my picture and I still don't know what's happening. Yeah. So it's like, Linda, look over here. And I'm looking around. Jim, 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 yeah. Jim, Jim, And they still had at that time the, the flash bulbs, the bulbs in the camera. Oh my God. Here go. So it turns out that I had actually won by points from the judges, but they didn't want me to win, if you know what I mean. So the, the institution of the whole thing didn't want you to win. It was just unheard of that a black woman, a black girl could no, be in this give, position. Let's give, and, let's, give, let's give you an ovation for that. Come on, Miss Thing. Uh, beauty, beauty has proven once again that it can, it comes in all colors, shapes, and sizes. There absolutely. you go. Absolutely, it does. And I think what's on the inside. Yeah, but that's why I wanted you to tell us how important. That's a trailblazing moment because that changes a lot of things in the institution of what was pre to that. Right, right. And you know, later on, you find out little things. For instance, I found out I was the only actually title holder. That was there that night. I held the Miss Brooklyn title. And while I'm in the dressing room looking, I'm looking for my friends, like one of the girls that I knew was Miss Bronx. She wasn't there. Somebody else was wearing a crown. And I'm looking around. I'm like, well, where is so-and-so? None of them were there. Turns out all these other girls were for some modeling agency. Oh, the Betty Ford <laughs> modeling agency. They were called up. Probably <laughs> I don't know the name of the agency. No, I'm joking. I mean, I don't know. It was not, uh, these were not legitimate winners. So to make a long story short, um, this big, huge thing in the Daily News. And one of the people who wrote the story actually put my home address in the story. Now, why the hell would they have done that? I don't know. But when we realized... Uh Linda Clifford of blah 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 X Street of Brooklyn, New York, and the zip code. Come on yeah. now. They did that. So we started getting this mail from, you know, with no return address or, you know, something. And then we started seeing horrible things written to me, threatening my life, saying that they were going to blow up the plane if I thought I was going to go for the Miss USA pageant, that I would never arrive, they were going to kill me, they were going to kill my family. 
we actually had to leave our home. We moved to avoid this. And um, I, I went because I thought, well, if I stay home, then they win because that's what they want. And I'm not doing that. This is way before Vanna White won her title, right? Oh. Way. See, I'm saying this is why I wanted you to say it. <clears throat> because this is way before even she... And her title was taken away due to that stupid thing that happened with her modeling in Penthouse or wherever it was. But, wow. but, but that was... She's another one that won Miss America. Yeah. And went on to do... Went on to become a great actress and all that. And in the end... You know, poor thing, they take her title away because of that sure. stupid thing. Yeah. Well, they did, you know, they they set things up for me in uh, that year. The uh, Miss USA pageant was being held in Ohio. And Bob Hope was, uh, you know, he had been for years. He was the guy, the MC, And so, you know, we get all dressed up. We go to meet his plane. Oh, I'm sorry, Vanessa Williams, everybody. Corrected. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, what did you say? I said Vanna White. That's what's the name from the from what's the name of the show? Vanessa Williams. Sorry. Not Vanna White. Vanessa Williams. Right. Way before Vanessa Williams. Thank you. Hey, my memory's good, but it ain't that great sometimes. I think this was at least 20 years before. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I knew we mentioned it, but I wanted you to say it because that's a a very important thing that happened is trailblazing. Because that's all part of the domino effect to what comes later. Yeah. You yeah. you open doors that maybe maybe would not have opened before, you know you know right. you didn't even realize you were dared to do no. it. So you know, you had to your parents had to sell their house, right? Exactly because of something that you won and you weren't even taking it seriously. It's crazy. And then they hi had to hire bodyguards for me while I was in Ohio to keep me safe for fear that someone would try to kill me while I was there for this pageant. So yeah, it, now I know it, why you said, huh? remember everyone when she opened up the monologue and said, I've been around, I'm lucky to be alive. Yeah. yeah. Take yeah. that and put that in your pipe and smoke it, children. That's a tough <laughs> one to smoke. <laughs> you know, it starts when she's in her teens and it's going through, forget about what she saw in the nightclub scene and the mafia and all that stuff. But we're talking like, you're doing something that you're not even taking seriously. And next thing you know, you're a target. Right. Oh. As a joke, something that, you know, a dare. From a front I dare right. you to go, oh, yeah. All right. All right. I dare you too. <laughs> so. Lord help us. What a dare. And win, no less, that dare. I know. Do you believe that? I believe it. Well, I can see why. Come on now. It, I, we all said the same thing about you. You're very attractive and a beautiful woman. There's no reason why you wouldn't win. Well, thank you. But back in those days, that would not have been considered. No, not during that time. No, you know, they don't look at you. You know, I would never have been looked at that way, obviously. And that's why they awarded me titles to these other women, because you know, in fact, one of the letters, and I still remember it to this day, that came to our home said, asked me where I got the nerve to, to even compete against the white girl for anything. Oh. Yeah. How dare you? I mean, it was just, and I thought, who Lord. are people? What is happening? So, hey, 
but that's the world we lived in at that time. And now it's a whole different ballgame. Things have changed. Um, you know, there's a lot of difference in uh, politics, obviously, and policing, um, marching. You know, there were marches then, now marches to consistently have more than just black people marching, more than just black people marching. It encompasses every race. You know, people are out there saying, you know, it's time for the right thing to happen. Yeah, it is time. It's, it's time. time. It's know, overdue. So. It's overdue. Yeah. It's overdue. I mean, even the whole thing would happen in Oklahoma oh. with you know, Black Wall Street. It's And it's just so funny. It's a hundred years ago. Well, it's it like just I said to you, you know, people, we've been saying, you know, this has been going on for such a long time. And until there were phones with cameras, nobody believed it. You know, you're complaining that, you know, I didn't do anything. The cops just, just, you know, beat the hell out of Yeah, 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 yeah. You had to do something. Sure, yeah, you didn't do anything. You didn't do anything. You're you're, you're innocent. You're all innocent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. We've all heard that. See what's happening. And, And so people are becoming more involved. And, you know, again, like I said, it hasn't been five years. It's not decades. It's centuries of this kind of treatment, centuries. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's where, how much longer y'all expect this to happen and, and, you know, for this to go on? It's got to change. Well, I've been blessed to have been around all of you, all of you, I'm not just you, but all my friends too, who are very educated and, you know, and we've had these conversations in back rooms, in between shows we all talk about this all the time you know that if we all we be talking about we all have children we're all worried you know it can happen to any of our kids okay um this is something that we've always discussed you know and the more friends you have multicultural the more you see things in a different way and that's what's been missing you have people who are born and raised live and die in one, one thing. Block. Yes, one block. Exactly right. In one mile radius. No, That's it. School, work, church, everything. We don't experience other cultures. We don't experience any of those other things. And it's so important to do that. And then you understand a little more. Oh, yeah. That's part and of what all the human. We're all just trying to, to stay alive. We're trying to give our children something better. Everybody wants the same thing. I don't know any woman who doesn't, who wants to sit down and have the talk with her son about being pulled over by the police. You, you, but we all have, we have to do it. Every day in this country, every hour somewhere, there is a black mom that is having that discussion with her child and praying that he comes home alive. That is wrong. And it's just, it's, gone on for too long and now you know the the situation with um the gang situation that's happening i know there's a lot of gun violence that's going on and of course you know waiting for congress to do something about the gun laws you know everybody needs an ak-47 come on you know there's a lot of things that have to change in this country for i'm a vigilante i'm a political (laughs) prisoner 
I need all kinds of military-type weaponry. Well, you know, I always wondered why my dentist would need heavy artillery. You know, what is he, what is he, what is he trying to, to, to hunt for? Because if you, if you shoot the hell out of the animal, can't eat it. It's garbage. It's like, what do you do with that? It's blown to bits. AK-47. You're using military grade weaponry. And I need this in my house. And I need this on, in the jungle. Nobody needs it. I'm going to go see Bambi the deer and I'm going to shoot Bambi the deer. <laughs> Those things were made for war. They're military grade. This is military grade um, weaponry. Yeah. You don't, I, I personally always felt it's not necessary, especially on the street in the big cities, because now you got to fight, you know, you're fighting this with people on the street as a police officer. It's a, if I had a son that was a cop, I'd be worried. It goes both ways. It goes both ways. It's just, it's bad news. A lot of stuff out there going on. But we can't be silent about it. I think it's important for people to speak up, say what they mean, write their congressman, say, you know, you got to do something or you're going to lose your job. I know. That has to happen. Okay, I'm off my soapbox now. That's it. She's step. She's stepping down, and we're going to thank her from the bottom of our heart for spending her time contributing her wisdom with us, <laughs> and her nurturing, and her disco knowledge, and everything that's in between. We have learned so much, and another great story right here on True House Stories. And Linda Clifford, you are a god. We love oh, you. Thank you so love much you. for having me. It's we really love you. a pleasure. You are amazing. There's nothing less than saying amazing and still beautiful as the record covers oh, and legendary as ever. Okay. You and hopefully, hopefully I'm blessed enough to make a record with this woman before I pass. Because Lord knows I need that in my life. I need me some more disco. I need me to make a new record. That's what I need to do. I love you, Lenny. Thank you so much for having me on the show. We love you, of course. And and we'll be talking more to you, and and we may hit you up for more questions and stuff sooner or later. But okay. we are on prime time, and this show is going to go to a real TV station soon. We're working on it right now, believe it or not. And you know, Lord knows, I may call you and say we really need you on now for real. Awesome, call me for real. Me. Come on, for real. Bring them all. Bring all the girls on. Bring them all on. Fabulous. That would be fabulous. We'd love it. Thank you. Um, can you just, can you sing us out runaway love a little of the part for my boy? Okay. Here's me by ask. Mike Marin said, please, you're our girl. Karen, who booked you said, this is my song. I can relate to the record. I mean, all the people are going bravo. Cause she just sing a little bit of the song. Before, and then it was like a night. You are runaway love. Again, see, now we've been through this and I'm tired. I am getting tired of the same old thing over and over. What do you want you to do? I want you to sit down over there because I got something to say. No. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. This was so much fun. Thank you so, so Thank you, much. darling. You're legendary. Have a good night. Thank you. Stay with us. I'm just going to let everybody go. Good night, everyone around the world. See you next week. We're going to have... The legendary Mark Cerrone 
You know, Sarone, Love and C Minor, Supernature, all those great records. He's coming here. He's going to tell it all. He's a big fan of mine. I'm a big fan of his. I remixed Supernature for him. He's done millions and millions of records for us. We love him. And of course, we love you too, Miss Linda Clifford. Have a good night. Stay with us. And good night around the world.